What's up, Black Love fam and first time fam? Welcome to another edition of Man to Man, a part of the Black Love Podcast Network. I'm David Wazicki, General Manager of Black Love, and today I am very fortunate to have the chance to talk to someone I've been following for a while and was very fortunate to run into his wife at a Whole Foods locally out here in LA. We'll get to that in a second. But I also wanted to bring up someone who also has been dedicating themselves to the future, and that's our friends at Target. Target is partnering with HBCUs to support the next generation of Black talent. One of the ways they're doing so is teaming up with HBCUs through their HBCU Design Challenge. I think that's pretty dope. I have a design background myself. If I went to an HBCU, I totally would have jumped on this. The HBCU Design Challenge is where HBCU students submit their designs to be included in Target's Black History Month collection. Again, pretty dope. So check back during Black History Month to see the latest winner's designs, which will be featured in Target's 2022 Black History Month collection. Let's celebrate our legacy. Let's invest in the future. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Facts. I'm excited to see what our partners at Target select and what these students come up with. So make sure you visit target.com slash black beyond measure to learn more. All right, fam, let's dig into this thing. My man, Sean Stevenson, is about to drop a whole bunch of gems, but I do want to give you some background. He is the author of the USA Today national bestseller, Eat Smarter, the international bestseller, Sleep Smarter. He's also the creator of the Model Health Show, featured as the number one health podcast in the U.S. with millions of downloads per year, probably per month after this one. (laughs) He's also the co-founder of Advanced Integrative Health Alliance, and I'm sure we'll dive into all of that. But for now, let's get to the man, the myth, the living legend, Sean Stevenson. Thank you so much, man. That's it's a really, really an honor to be here. And listen, that story with you intersected with my wife, as I was sharing with you, it's a it's a magical moment, great synchronicity. And I'm just honored to be here with you. Yeah, likewise. Look, I'm a big fan of synchronicity. That's probably another conversation to have, uh, whether online or offline. But yeah, I I think it was beautiful how it came together. So I want to jump in. And I usually love, because this is called Man to Man, I like to jump in with an icebreaker that is near and dear to me. And it's something that's kind of changing right now in our landscape. And that's essentially masculinity. What does that mean to you? Mm, Wow. Yeah. That term in and of itself, just like everything, is always evolving. You know, I was just walking with my youngest son, he's nine years old, and he was like, dad, there is no such thing as left or right. And then I was like, okay, where is this going? Then he, ma- he made me stop walking. He, he put his hand gently on my, on my torso. He's like, dad, check this out. So he showed his left and right. Then he turned around the other way and said, now this is left and right. It's always different. It doesn't, it's not, huh. it doesn't exist. And I, and I said that it's all about perspective, right? It's not that it doesn't exist. It can be both. It cannot exist at all, or it can be ever existent. And it just depends Mm. on your perspective and where you are right now, because that left and right is going to change. So a term like masculinity, it it is so complex and also so simple, but it's also ever evolving. Today, I really feel that masculinity, uh, some of those qualities that we can kind of 
pinpoint within that framework of what masculinity is. Again, these are all social constructs too. You know, we're trying to label a certain set of qualities uh, would be strength, would be persistence and endurance, would be in both. And also, I've got to say the caveat that both women and men carry what we would consider masculine traits and feminine traits, you know, so we've got to make that clear as well. But also, I subscribe right now. I really feel that there's a part of this kind of a warrior spirit, you know, to be able. And, all, and what that means is, it's not necessarily you're, you're trying to to fight against something or to to take somebody's life or anything like that. But the willingness to stand for something, the willingness to to fight, even if it's for other people. For me, I'm fighting for humanity. You know, so I'm not fighting against other people per se. I might be fighting sure. for somebody who doesn't even want, who doesn't even care that I'm fighting for them. You know, it's just that idea, that that modality, that that framework that I'm fighting for humanity. I, I think another thing would be, and this is for me personally right now, within that warrior spirit and masculinity is patience. Mm. You know, so knowing when to strike, knowing when to yeah. leverage that aggression, and also maintaining that homeostasis of peace. You know, that's really fit into the masculinity framework for me as well. So that's a, it's a big, big topic, but I hope that I colored that a little bit. Oh, absolutely. No, no wrong answers. I've yet to hear the same answer twice. So I appreciate that. You know, for me, one thing you pointed out was that both men and women carry that masculinity. For me, I, I like to say there in all of us, there's a masculine energy, there's a feminine energy, and depending on what you need to approach, whether it is, you know, like, like you're saying, I mean, you're, you're doing it for humanity, which is huge. <laughs> and we're going to dig into that in a sec, what that fight is. And I love it. And I'm there for you. I'm, I'm one of those soldiers on a battlefield supporting it. So definitely want to dig into that in a hot second. But um, I think it's, it's all in the approach. And to, to your point, it is an evolution. It is ongoing. And I think when both men, women, however you want to label yourself, start realizing those energies that you can tap into and the power that lies within each of those, that's where the secret sauce is. Mm, I feel that. I feel that. All right. This big, big fight for humanity. I mean, I, I think before we go into the fight, I think we should kind of go back into how this fight began because hmm. there is... I didn't even know this existed. And I, furthermore, I didn't know this existed for somebody that was in their 20s that you were diagnosed, I, I believe, at the age of 20 with degenerative disc disease. And I feel like that may be a jumping off point here. I'll, I'll let you, of course, tell your own story. But I think that's the jumping off point to get on this journey towards um, towards this fight for humanity and wellness and, and well-being for all of us. Yeah, you just said it. Um, you know, it's a big thing for me to even say something like that. I've never said that before, but oh, really? in, it's in my psyche about me fighting for humanity. But this is coming from a place that for the majority of my life, when I was you know younger, prior to that age of 20, when all of this stuff started to break down, I was the opposite. I was very selfish. I was very self-centered. Let me put it like that. And I didn't want to okay. be that way. I mean, I loved... My family, I wanted to protect my, you know, my little brother, my little sister. You know, I love my, you know, and honor my my grandmother and my grandfather. But I come from a very volatile environment. I just did this yesterday. I just thought about it. Like the majority of my years on planet Earth, I lived in Ferguson, Missouri, 
slash Ferguson Florissant. We moved to oh, the wow. good part yeah. of Ferguson. So just being there front and center for, you know, just all the things that come along with that. You know, I got to witness yeah. things firsthand about the reality of living in these conditions. But what's not talked about is how many wonderful people are there, but we're just inundated with this, really it's oppression. You know, we don't know what health looks like. There wasn't a damn yeah. Whole Foods by me. You know, here in LA <laughs> right, now, like you right, right. could literally throw a rock and hit a Whole Foods. <laughs> there was one Whole yeah. Foods in all of St. Louis, period, but it, it damn sure wasn't close to me. You know, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what healthy, I didn't know what that meant. There was no gyms in my area. There was no yoga studio. You know, I, I was in college at the time. I went to the University of Missouri, St. Louis, which wasn't too far from Ferguson. But it just, even the, the campus, it didn't look like it belonged in the neighborhood. You know, it's just like it just <laughs> yeah. didn't fit in until yeah. you cross the street and things got nicer. Sure. You know, and it's just like this in, in most, you know, places across the country. You know, the, the haves and have nots are so close to each other. And yeah. for me, it's really all about exposure. So I, the reason that I was so self-centered, it was a protective mechanism. You know, really, I was in situations where I could have lost my life so many times. It's just there's some grace there for me to be here today. Sure. And also, you know, my mother being in the in the environment that I was in, you know, she wanted me to be she wanted me to be tough. And so at the age of four, my I'm talking my earliest memory is, you know, the little kid next door. We kept getting little kid scuffles. I was four. He was like six years old. Alfonso. Shout out to Alfonso if you're listening. <laughs> and <laughs> And uh, we kept getting into it, you know, and but my mother and his caretaker, I don't remember who the two people were that he had with him, might have been his mother and aunt or uncle or something. But there were two other adults that were with, quote, his side. And and she made us Mm. they made us fight each other. And I'm just a baby. I'm a four year old baby, man. You know, and within five seconds of this commence, I remember very clearly feeling like I don't want to do this. Why is she making me do this? And within five seconds of that fight, he pushed me into the corner of a brick wall. I still have this huge scar on the back of my head to, to this day, split my head Damn. open. And that was my first introduction to violence, you know, in, in a way outside of, that I'm participating in because I saw the violence within my household, you know, family sure, members sure. fighting, that whole thing. And so long story long, uh, getting to that place where <laughs> now I'm taking that, that teaching, my mother, and the thing is, you would hear something like that, like she's a horrible, that's a horrible mother. That's a horrible example of a parent. But in a, in her own way, she was trying to prepare me for the world. That can sure. be very tough, especially in the environment that we're in, you know. So, sure. but from that, now I'm using violence as a tool, as an outlet, as a protective mechanism as well. So I got, even though I'm, you know, I've got a 3.8 GPA, I'm on student advisory, <laughs> I'm a teenage health consultant, this special program, I was the first time this project called Inroads with St. Louis University was working with my my high school for college credit for students. I was in the first year of students to ever be able to do that. I had all these things going for me, oh, wow. but I ended up yeah. getting into a fight and get, got kicked out my entire junior year of high school. You would think I'd get my act together. you know. I, so I graduated in three years of high school, fortunately, go to college. I get kicked out of college for fighting. Who does that? Because that was my tool. I was always looking for a problem yeah. and yep. I was just very self-centered because I, I just saw these threats everywhere that I go and you will find what you're looking for. Now, this yeah. where this all transitions and here's the, the, the cherry on top of the story. I went from being so self-centered to being so focused on others and service. Like even this morning, the first thing that I do when I wake up and I, I'm aware that I'm aware as I ask, how can I serve today? That's the first thing that I ask. That's beautiful. Now, it's been my dominant question for the past 15 years. 
And it's because wow. everything really from the surface, superficially, everything was taken from me. The one thing that I did have was my health. Not let me let me be clear, not health, fitness. There's a difference. Yes, there is. I was a very fit person and I felt very capable. You know, in high school, I ran a four, five, forty when I was 15 years old, prior to me getting kicked out of school. And so, like yeah. all my prospects <laughs> while you of, were there, you know, <laughs> collegiate athletes, right. While I was there, you know, I was, I was doing my thing. <laughs> But I, I use that as like, that's my protected. That's my one identity that I have is I'm capable. I can fight if it comes down yeah. to it. I can fight. I can survive. Yeah. These are the things that my mother taught me. But now that's taken away and I feel like a complete victim. My identity is mm. shattered. I have advanced arthritis of my spine when I'm just a, a kid. I'm 20 years old. And the physician is telling me that this is incurable. There's nothing you can do about this. I asked him, you know, does this have anything to do with what I'm eating? Because I had, I did have a nutritional science class at that point, but I really, okay. I, again, I thought it had to do with fitness. So maybe that's where the question came from. I don't know. But he looked sure. me dead in my eyes and he said that this has nothing to do with what you're eating. But then he proceeded to write me a prescription to eat some pills, right? This has nothing to do with what you're putting in your mouth, but go ahead and put these pills in your mouth. But, and yeah, he, yeah. he was writing my future by telling me that this is incurable and I'm going to be in pain for the rest of my life. And um, yeah. so here's the, the end of the story is, you know, two years went by. Devastating, absolute, like crushing pain every day. I can't sleep at night. You know, every hour or so, I'm waking up. Pain is waking me up. I'm on all these medications. I'm um, getting gaining a lot of weight at this point. My fitness was gone. You know, so now, not only am <laughs> yeah. I, you know, in pain, but now, now I'm gaining a lot of of additional weight, which is making me even more sedentary, making me feel even worse. And I stopped, stopped really identifying, not even recognizing who, who I was seeing in the mirror. But all of that changed. And we can dig into this more. After two yeah. years of suffering and outsourcing my belief about what I'm, what's possible for me to other people, because I saw all these other physicians looking for somebody to help me. And that was my dominant question at the time. Why won't somebody help me? Why me? Why did this happen to me? Right, and right. your mind is always going to find the answer to those questions. So after I saw the last physician, my question changed. And I finally asked after two years, what can I do to get better? What can I do personally to feel better? What can I do to get healthy? And it, it changed my life because the solutions that were always there, they were always present, but I wasn't tuned into them because I was so focused on how bad things were. You know, I've heard this time and time again, um, especially more recently in, in the folks I like to follow, associate myself with, just kind of have that mindset is taking this accountability, the self-accountability. And at first it may sound harsh because it's as if, well, if you're in this bad situation, it's all your fault. You did that. So that's why you're there. And conversely, if you want to get out of it, it's your fault. You are there. So it is a hard pill to swallow. This is something I've been, I'm still trying to fully come to terms with that everything that happens, it starts here. Like it's you, me looking in the mirror in the morning. It's like, yeah, if you have those issues, it's, it's your fault. But conversely, it's, you know, what you're saying. So you said, okay, let me look. How can, how can I help me? How can I get better myself. So I'm sure this, this is where things began from that point on. I mean, what it, what did it take for you first to overcome that, 
degenerative disc disease? Like, what did you start taking or was there, was there a person? Was there a book? Was there some, I don't know, just divine spark that was like, aha, this is it. This is the thing. How did, how did, how did that matriculate into I am healed? So as I mentioned, the human brain is, is so fascinating. It's a big part of my, of my research. And I've got some of the most incredible neuroscientists in the world who are my friends and colleagues. And even on my latest book, Eat Smarter, probably the foremost uh, neuroscientist in the world, Dr. Daniel Amen, who's got the greatest catalog of brain imaging scans, spec scans in the world. He did the front cover quote for the book. So when I'm saying this stuff, this isn't just hearsay. This doesn't, it's not because it sounds good. The human brain sure. really is a servo mechanism in many ways. There's certain parts of the brain that are really driven by what you focus on. And so there's uh, an instinctive reflex that the brain does. It's called instinctive elaboration. And when you pose a question to your brain, which you're, you can be conscious or unconscious of this, that's the key. Hmm. Hmm. That question yeah. that you're asking, your brain is hardwired. We are designed to find the, the answer to that question. This is why, like even with entertainment, this is how they get you. You know, you got to see what happens next. It's the open loop because you're yeah. questioning, you're That's asking right. a question. Right. What happened? What happened to Sheila? Where is this going? You yeah. know? How did Ghost, <laughs> yeah. how is he going to get out of jail? Whatever it is, you know, and so, but yeah. we can use the psychology for ourselves. We can, in, in essence, kind of take control of our own mind, our own thinking, where oftentimes we've outsourced it. And so when I'm yeah. asking why me, why did this happen to me? And why won't somebody help me? I'm looking in my environment to affirm and answer these questions, why my life is so bad. Because what I'm trying to point to the fact of the solutions were there all along, which is within a week of me answering that question, well, first of all, there's a new motivation. Now I'm going and I'm going to the low-hanging fruit. I'm a big fan of low-hanging fruit. Like for me being an athlete prior to all of this happening, yeah. I went to some of those things, which I couldn't really walk well. I was in so much pain, but I just went and did what I can. I went to the to the university gym, just got on the stationary bike, pedaling a little bit. It was hard. And I just did that for a few days. And I walked a little bit more for a few days. Mm -hmm. Then I, you know, then I started to walk a little bit more. So then I started to pick up a couple of weights. So I'm just doing what I can do, right? And that was happening. So I'm already, I'm releasing endorphins. You know, my biochemistry is changing. But for whatever reason, there's somebody I've been, quote, talking to uh, this, this, these past couple of years, uh, somebody that I knew from a previous college that I went to, the one I got kicked out of. Uh, she went on right. and she became a <laughs> chiropractor. And she, was, she just all seemed very weird to me, right? But I, I was sure, hanging sure. out with her a lot. But once I changed my question, now- Within a week of me asking, how can I get better? How can I get healthy? She takes me to Wild Oats, which has since been bought up by Whole Foods. And so there was a Whole huh. Foods in St. Louis, one Whole Foods and one Wild Oats. And so we went to Wild Oats and it was just like, I didn't know that this existed. There were books there that were detailing degenerative disc disease and some of the causative factors. Oh, wow. I was like, I didn't know that wow. there were reasons behind it. He told me, that he literally said to me, my physician, this is something that just happens. And I'm sorry that it happened to you. And now today, being a, a research scientist, that's abandoning basic principles of physics. Nothing just happens. That's not how stuff right, works. Right. And right. so, but it's just like, you don't know. You could at least say, you know, I yeah. don't know, but it's so definitive. And yeah. so anyways, um, so I start to research and I'm in the university right now. So I have access to certain things. And so now I'm studying more. I'm really investigating. I'm able to, to do research because of some of the the training that I was already given, uh, but now it's invested into something. Before I was 
put into these different science classes because I had to, and it didn't connect. Sure. There wasn't a visceral connection. Now there's a passion here. I want to know how the yep. cell works, all right, because I have a purpose. And so I start to give my body, and this is a big part of the healing process. If you don't pro provide your body with the raw materials that it needs to regenerate tissues, it can't do it. And the human body, what's so beautiful about us is we're incredibly resilient. We can do the most to our bodies. So much damage, so much, you know, just, you know, the consumption of all these crazy things that we eat today that I grew up eating, just inundated. You know, my mother, she would send me across the street to get, you know, it started off with a big gulp. Then it was super big gulp. Then the double <laughs> big gulp came out where the cups were too big yeah. to just have a dispenser. You had to fold that mess up yourself in the store, <laughs> do arts and crafts right, and then right. fill the soda up. And so, so she's taken in in that a 20 ounce Coca-Cola, for example, is going to be somewhere in the ballpark of about 16 teaspoons of sugar. All right. This one, two, three, four, five, six. We're not even halfway there yet. I can keep going. That's a lot of sugar. Right, right, right. She's tripling that amount with her, you know, double big gulp and just wondering what is that doing to our physiology? So we can, and she's still, she's still alive today and kicking. All right. She's still here. And our bodies are very resilient at adapting. But if you don't give it the raw materials, it's going to do a patchwork job. And so I found out right. that, okay, what are my discs made of? It's another dominant question. The intervertebral disc in my bones, my bone density was very low. What are they made of? All I knew about was calcium from marketing. This very basic rudimentary, and right. it's BS, right. by the way. It's just a very primitive thinking that's just one thing. There was like other 20 other major compounds that help to regenerate and create new tissue, create new bone. You know, sulfur-bearing amino acids, silica. I can go on and on and on. Vitamin D. I wasn't getting any of that stuff on my Ferguson, Missouri drive-through diet that I was on. I was sure. deficient in sure. all those things, and also flooding my cells with very, very low-quality materials for my body to build itself. So I basically started to add in some of the compounds that my body needed, and I got better. Man, I got better so fast. So that plus the movement practices because exercise. We think it's about looking good and being fit. That's a side effect. Exercise is right. something our genes Thank expect you. us to yeah. do. Our DNA expects us to move because exercise is very close to the word exorcise. <laughs> They're very, very similar. Hmm. And it's a big part of elimination and assimilation of nutrients. And so I'll just show this super quick. I'm going to make this study very, very brief. But I came across a study that was done on racehorses. And horses, that's, that's okay. a, like a billion dollar industry, by the way, it's nuts. But if a horse breaks a bone, like you could lose tens of millions of dollars. So they did a study to see if they can increase the bone density of horses. And so they had the control group, they did nothing with the horses. Then they had a study group, they gave them supplements, you know, that are said to improve bone density, and it did. But then there was another group of horses that they gave them the supplements and walked them. And they have an even more significant increase mm. in bone density because of the assimilation. And the third thing sure. really quickly was I wasn't getting well because I was not sleeping well. That was the biggest struggle in my life for those two years. Now, the things that I was doing during the day was helping me to sleep better at night. If you're not sleeping, you're not healing. And so my body transformed from, from it was six weeks from the moment I made that decision to get healthy. Six weeks later, I would, the pain I was terrified about every day of my life was gone. And wow. I didn't get a scan of my spine wow. done for about nine months because I was still honestly dealing with fear around it because it was so traumatizing. Sure. But I completely regenerated sure. the the two discs in my, you know, my two ruptured discs. They had retracted on their own. 
And now I could see the light shining through them because they were so degenerated before. Now the light was shining through them. And I basically regenerated my my spine that was supposed to be impossible. And the physician was like, you know, he's rubbing his chin. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And that's when I, you know, fired my physician and moved on to, to other things. Awesome. And amazing at the same time. I mean, again, to the point of resiliency in our bodies and to what we can do ourselves to sustain ourselves, especially in the world that we're in today and that we're living where, you know, it's basically a prescription here, a pill there, a hundred caveats of side effects, but that one thing that you need, we got it for you. Again, this is a reason why I'm so glad there's folks like you and specifically yourself going down this journey, taking this path. You know, I, I would have thought with everything you just mentioned, Eat Smarter would have come first, but you ended with you don't heal if you don't sleep well. So that takes us to sleep smarter. I want to touch upon that. And then I really want to dig into Eat Smarter. So like you said, I'm doing all the things. Everything's great. What said, well, oh, it's sleep that's going to help me heal. Where did that come from? And where did the the passion to say, I got to write a book about this and get it out to the community? This is such a great question. And I want to give a, a little bit of a, a preface to this because something you said okay. earlier was probably the most remarkable thing of this entire conversation, which is about personal responsibility. And right now that's, it's a hot button issue because of the framing, you know, because there tends to be, we, we, we tend to see things today, not us necessarily. Most people don't think like this, but what's presented to us is, are two very polarizing ideas. One is that the oppression in the, in the environment is doing this to you and you're a victim. At the other end of the spectrum is everything is your 100% responsibility. It's your fault if you're not doing anything about it. These are right. two polar opposite things, seemingly. But the truth always lies somewhere in the middle, generally, is going to be in on the spectrum gray. Yeah. of those things. You know? yep. so, and I'm a perfect example of that. I'm so grateful for where I, where I come from. I would, man, I mean, to return to that is a nightmare. And this is why I do the work that I do, you know, because I saw the oppression around me. I didn't know mm. what was possible. I didn't have exposure to what health looked like. I didn't right. see healthy relationships. I didn't see healthy people. You know, I, it just wasn't a part of my reality. And so having it where it's not a part of my exposure because of very purposeful, and I'm just, I'll share this really quickly from, from Eat Smarter. And I know we're not going to talk about, we're going to talk about this later, but just something really quickly. I went and investigated, where does the government subsidies go? Like, how does that affect our health as a community? And there right. was a really well done study. And this was published by the Journal of the American Medical Association, tracking down the money that's being spent by our government for these big food companies and subsidies, what happens when people are eating those foods that they're paying for, which are primarily cash crops, corn used largely for corn syrup and sweeteners, wheat, mm -hmm. soy. So these are products yeah. that you might go to the grocery store. It looks like a lot of different things, but it's really made of the same stuff. And they tracked down and they found, and most of it is coming through, in the, through processed foods, the vast majority, processed foods and yeah, fast food. Absolutely. Yep. And so they tracked down and found that it's particularly lower income communities, folks that are consuming the highest amount of government subsidized foods have almost a 40% greater incidence of being obese. And that's just one issue. We're not talking about diabetes. Yeah. We're not talking about Alzheimer's. We're not talking about heart disease. Just, and our government is literally feeding the problem. 
And I'm not going to act like this isn't happening because it's happening. There isn't sure. money that's getting doled out to people who are, you know, growing fruits and vegetables, who are, right. who are, who are evoking the power to create community gardens and community recreation centers and things of that nature. That money's going elsewhere because it's not important. Now, here's the thing. That's true. It is true that there's a, an oppression present, but I come from the oppression. I got out. I was able to do it. There was n I was by myself, broken down in my one-bedroom apartment, mattress on the floor, raggedy couch in Ferguson, Missouri, struggling. First in my family to graduate from college, and it took everything. It took a lot to graduate because I didn't. I never saw before, but I had sure. to take responsibility. I was trapped in the deepest offshooting or pushing away of my responsibility in those two years, rock bottom. But here's the truth. At some point, this unlocks a superpower when you take 100% responsibility for your life. Not to say that bad things haven't happened or bad things haven't happened to you. You haven't had the opportunity. But every time you point the finger, you're giving your power away. And when you point yeah. it back to yourself and take responsibility, you're giving yourself power to change it. So that's what it's really about. That hmm. empowerment is taking responsibility because things are going to happen, but it's about how you respond to that thing. So I just wanted to share that because it's so important, so powerful that you brought that topic up. And I appreciate you bringing that up. I I literally have chills right now because a lot of your circumstances I can relate to in terms of my upbringing, in terms of not knowing what you don't know, and especially you speaking to government, government subsidies. I'm from New York originally. I grew up we had bodegas on the corner. And my mom, who's now a type two diabetic as a result, go get the honey buns, go get the, the chips. This was my food. This wasn't just the snack. This was the food for lunch. You know what I mean? I, I didn't go to school with the healthy breakfast. I didn't go to school with breakfast and I'm not doing a woe is me, but it's just within communities like these that we grew up in, it's the, you don't know what you don't know. And again, it's, it's trying to find ways of getting that knowledge. And, you know, I hope, I hope everyone listening doesn't have to go through what you went through to have to wake up and start taking the knowledge that's out there. Now we, you know, we have Google and now we have all of this information and thankfully we have books like yours, sleep smarter, eat smarter, that can help open our minds and give us, again, different views that we just haven't seen. I mean, for me, again, as you're saying this story, there were so many things that just pop up in my head in terms of my growth where, yeah, I had the same experiences. I and, and now that I can look back and I can actually say, well, because of the way I eat, ate the or eat now and the way I moved or didn't move back then and environment is what caused me to feel a certain way is what caused me. I had like a bout of depression for like a year and a half or two uh, in my early twenties. And I'm a young man. I'm supposed to be out partying and living the life and, and just getting after it. Right. But similar to you, it's like you, you have these challenges and then one day it's a fortuitous situation that says, John, wake up, <laughs> David, wake up. It's there in front of you if, if you can see it. And I think now, especially again, with folks like yourselves, the internet, social media, if we use these things for the right things, we can gain so much more 
And again, this vessel of ours, mind, body, soul, that that culminates all of it. It's so important to be able to do the work that you're doing, to be able to just get on with it, whether you're a husband, whether you're a father, whether you're just dating somebody, where you're friends with somebody, where you're a coworker, all of that. Like it all comes back to the things that you're talking about. This is powerful. Absolutely powerful. And what you're doing now, even in that in that sharing, you're paying it forward. You know, when I mentioned to quote, make it out, it's really just rising above the perceived circumstances so that we can now uplift and share this with other people, you know, and that's what it's really all about. So your story matters so much because I can go in there with you visually and I'm like, oh yeah, my honey, I had the two for 99 cent honey buns. Like that was (laughs) a meal with the white icing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Box of macaroni and cheese is a meal, you know? So these are the circumstances. These are Chef very abnormal. You know, humans have never subsisted on these types of foods in our evolution. This is so, it's so strange. And now we're understanding what, what it does to our genetic expression, you know, these epigenetic controllers. And so a big epigenetic yes. controller is our sleep, you know, to, to pivot back to it. I'm a nutritionist. So after I graduate, you know, as a strength and conditioning coach while I was in school, because I just wanted to find a way to serve low hanging fruit. A lot of the professors at the university were my were my clients, you know, the faculty, wow. a lot of students. Wow. A big portion of my students, funny enough, and I didn't think about this too many years later, were medical students and, and people in nursing programs and also people who hmm. already graduate and they're already working in the field. Generally, they were they were struggling more than anybody, more than the general population, because the culture basically gives them incentive to destroy their own health, to be sleep deprived, to eat poorly. Yeah. You know, and to be excessively stressed. And our systems don't even take care of the people who are entrusted with taking care of us. You know, and I address that in each one as well. But so I went from that to opening my clinical practice and working alongside some wonderful physicians over the years as well. But this, and to be real with you, and I don't share this very often, oftentimes they would send me their toughest cases, you know, because Mm -hmm. they weren't beat. And oftentimes the reason I was connected to many of these physicians, I was helping them with their health as well because they weren't trained on what health really is. They're often taught, you know, pharmacology. And I went, when I initially went to college, I went pre-med, but I got out of that, you know, prior to my health going down, down the hill and switched over to, to marketing, which is a whole other story. And then I was switched back to, to health and biology and, you know, nutritional science later on. But I got to see, we're taught pharmacology. It's such a focus on disease. It's not a focus on health. That's not what it's about. And so in my clinical practice, I saw some, I mean, I can go, I could share so many stories of the, the incredible things that we saw as far as, you know, type 2 diabetes, folks coming in on metformin and insulin and being able to normalize their blood sugar without medication. You know, some, we're, we were probably right around 79%, 80% success rate. But there was a time when we couldn't really even talk about that, that that wasn't even a thing. But it's what I would do is just basically take the patients that were coming in and just teach them how their biology works. You know, here's you know, I literally had like these diagrams and I would teach them about how their pancreas works and the beta cells and alpha cells and walk them through, but in a way that was colorful, that made sense. And so they sure. felt like, oh, that's, it didn't just happen to me. Like that's how the process works. This is how blood sugar works. Nobody took the time to teach them about what's happening in their body. So we saw all these incredible things happen, all these incredible transformations, but there was always a percentage of people who didn't get the results with food and lifestyle changes around movement, things like that. And eventually I got face to face. It took about five years for me to ask to, to stop and be like, what is going on here? Because we have a tendency to think people are lying. They're not trying hard enough. That's one of the right, fatal flaws right. of this industry as well. 
And the reality is oftentimes people that are struggling to get the results others are getting, they're, they're oftentimes are trying harder than, than other folks in different domains, but they learn, they get into a state of learned helplessness. But I finally started asking people about their sleep and I could not believe what people were telling me because my, I, my sleep was good now. So you don't think about it. That's when you know something's going well is you don't think about it. It's right. just like on automatic. Yep. And yep. so they're telling me these stories, like they're waking up, you know, they, they're sleeping four hours a night or they're waking up every two hours or whatever the case might be. And I know in my, in my experience at that time and playing at a high level and seeing results, I picked up a few things. One thing is people want change, but they generally don't want to change that much. Okay. They want change, but they don't want to change that much because we're comfortable sure. with who we are and how we do things. And that's just the reality right. of the situation. We can talk about the, the, the psychology of why that is uh, if we have time. But anyway, so what I did was I was looking for some clinically proven methods for folks that they can implement without having to turn their life upside down to improve their sleep quality. All right. And so in Sleep Smarter, there's 21 clinically proven strategies, all backed by science. And some of those were some of the original things that I implemented with these patients many, many years ago before sleep was a popular conversation. And so when people implemented these things, finally, the weight came off, their blood sugar normalized. For other folks, hmm. their their blood pressure normalized. For other folks, you know, their their anxiety improved, their their depression, whatever the case huh. might be. I saw, it's just, it is incredible what we started to see. It's just like things went to an entirely right. new level. And I was just like, I got to tell people about this, like, because I was still <laughs> sure, working in sure. one-on-one context where I was like, you know, invited to some speaking events, things like that. But I had just started my podcast as well. So I did some classes on this. It was a three-part series. Only time in the history of my show, 500 episodes, only time I did a three-part <laughs> series and it was on sleep. And it just, although maybe we had done 50 shows at that point, but it was the top most downloaded episodes. And I was like, this is something. So, you know, that ended up turning You're into a something. book. Yeah. And, and that ended up turning into, you know, I self-published it first and it got picked up by a major publisher. Actually, hmm. it was 11 publishers vying for the book, trying to, you know, get me on their squad which is crazy. Again, coming from where go. I come from to these publishers battling it out, you know, to, <laughs> yeah. to get the rights, you know, but, you know, so that became an international bestseller it's tw- translating like 20 different languages now. And it, and I want to share this with everybody here. I really, really want everybody to get this. That's the power of an idea. I'm the least likely for this stuff to happen where I come from, for people in Japan to be going to the library and seeing my book there. That's the power of an <laughs> right. idea. And this is how powerful right. we are. This is how powerful we are. Because what happened was it changed the culture. It literally changed the culture. Sleep wellness books, publishers, agents, they were trying to talk me out of it because it had never done well before. There was never a book on, and they got the top guys. And then some of these guys are my friends. They put books out on sure, sleep sure. wellness and it never took off, not even remotely close. We sold hundreds, hmm. of, hundreds of thousands of copies. And- it's, it's number one, it's the power of an idea. And number two, it's the power of being who you are, being yourself. Because also, I'm not like those guys. You know, I'm showing up and making right. science cool because I'm a cool person. I'm a real person. I'm not here to play <laughs> games and pretend like I'm something that I'm not. And so people are going to identify with that for the most part. The majority of people are. But of course, there's going to be detractors, going to be people who, who don't feel that. They want you to, you know, be buttoned up to the, the top button, Button-up. you know, yeah. and, 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 yeah. and yeah. disseminating the information a certain way. I'm not for those people, you know, I'm for the people. Sure. And so bringing my, my articulation and my experience, because I work with real people in real world situations and I help them to get well. I help them to get themselves well. 
That's the key. And so taking that and putting it in a way that makes sense, because sleep, that's not a sexy topic for most people. It's just not. It's a weird thing. Right, it's like right, it's right. can seem boring. <laughs> right. But making that sexy, making it attractive, making it fun, making it so that people it's palatable and people can digest it, making it so that it's actionable. Like I can, I can touch, I can do that. That makes sense. You know, and that's a big reason why that took off. And then since then, many books have come after, you know, that have been successful in the sleep domain. But me coming from where I come from, I opened the door for that based on an idea and taking action on that. Powerful. And I'm glad it's out there. And I'm glad it's been doing and continues to do what it's doing. And I hope now with Eat Smarter, it's it's much of the same because again, it's essentially a one-two punch. There are a few jabs in there, like movement and you know, getting that sunshine, that natural vitamin D, and a few other things. But yeah, sleep and now here comes the hook with eat smarter. Are there a few things you could just touch upon that you go through? Maybe some just quick tidbits, quick bites, no pun intended, uh, of things that you can you can offer. Absolutely. So it, it's always going to boil down to empowerment and connection. You know, having that connection, connective tissue, we are inundated with data. You've got the internet at your fingertips. Yeah. You can find out the answer to anything, but it it doesn't really translate necessarily to real knowledge and action, right? We've got all this data, but right. how can you get right. folks to actually put it into play and to use utilize it? So what Eat Smarter is is doing, and I just a little note about it when the book came out, it was the number one new release of all books in the United States, fiction and nonfiction. But that was just for a short period because the books ended up selling out, which is not good. All right. It's not like a concert venue that's good, capacity. but not good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, all the yeah. pipeline issues, you know, in this age of, you know, pandemic circumstances, you know, it's just a pipeline issue sure. with distribution, that kind of stuff. But to see it take off like that was an affirmation for me because I know, again, People want to be healthy. I've never met one person that wants to be unhealthy. Maybe they've talked themselves, again, learned helplessness. Maybe they believe that it's too hard. It's not for them. They're not enough. Whatever the case might be, but I've never met one person who doesn't want to be healthy. And so striking that chord, what I'm doing with Eat Smarter is for the first time in book form, let me be clear about this, in popular mainstream distribution book form, taking people behind the scenes and actually teaching them how their metabolism works, right? So how does fat loss work? How does weight loss work, right? We know about the whole, you cut cut your calories, this and that, but how does fat loss work? Where does fat go? Where does it go when you, quote, lose it? Like, how does the whole, and so I'm demystifying the process and creating a level of empowerment. Now you understand it's not just this superficial thing, this ghost in the machine you're fighting against. And so we do that, but then also, what are some clinically proven foods, nutrients that aid in these different processes that have a lot to do with our hormone function, neurotransmitters, all those things. But what are the foods that that are clinically proven to, to help to fortify and support those metabolic processes? Right. And if we got if we have time, we could hit a couple of those. But so that's number one. This is the also the problem is that food keeps being designated to being in our culture. When people think about diet and nutrition, they think about weight for the most part. That's what it's culturally tied to. And that is one of the biggest mistakes because food is so much more than that. Food is literally what you are made of. Every single cell of your body is made from the food that you eat. Every cell. I know some of the top cardiologists, the top immunologists, your immune cells that are so important today, 
especially it's kind of on top top of mind yeah. for everybody. Your immune cells are made from food. So are your immune cells made from sustainable, real whole foods or are they made from Funyuns? You know, because you get to pick <laughs> and chances are the Funyun immune cells are not going to hold up very well against a viral infection or bacterial infection, whatever the case might be. Right. You're making your cells out right. of these foods and you get to choose. Your heart, same thing. But again, our top cardiologists, when they go into their traditional education, they're taught maybe a couple of weeks total about nutrition. It's very superficial stuff. All right. Basically more along the lines of like, if somebody has a rare B12 deficiency, prescribe this or just, you know, recommend people watch their fat, right? Eat plenty of whole grains, hmm. very superficial stuff. They're right. not educated on it. And you can see right. this out picturing with their own health, for example, that it's not working. Taking that. So that's the other part is let's round this out. Let's show, show people firsthand how nutrition and food controls and affects their metabolism, but also the other areas of their life. How does food affect your memory? and your cognitive ability, your ability to, hmm. to stay focused hmm. in a very distracted world. How does food affect your emotional stability, yeah. your emotional intelligence, and your ability to connect with other people? And one of the most important parts of the book, and I'm so grateful to be able to talk to, to you about this right now, what took the most energy for me to write, because I, I wrote this book with this purpose, to shed light on, the, on our conditions for the majority of our hmm. citizens, the environment that we're living in, and how food is affecting our disposition towards violence. And all the clinical evidence, it's mind-blowing. Wow. When you see this stuff stacked out wow. in the book and the different studies, like you can literally see firsthand in ward studies how nutrient deficiencies increase your proclivity towards violent offenses. We are not well. It's yeah. very difficult. It's not impossible. Let me be clear. It's just harder to have patience and to be compassionate, to perspective take when we are physiologically unhealthy, when we, when our biology, when our bio biological needs are not met and we're disrupted and we're sick, it's just harder to do those things. It's not that we can't, it just makes it harder. So shedding light on that. And sure. also a big part of the book too, is like in Eat Smart, I really drill in on all the clinical, the clinically proven evidence on how certain foods control and influence your sleep quality as well, because there are certain sl good sleep nutrients mm. because sleep doesn't just happen. It's all built on these certain hormones and neurotransmitters that are built from food. And so all of that is packed into that powerful book. It took a lot, a lot of time, a lot of years to, to, to create it all, but very, very proud of it. I'm sure. I'm digging in as we speak. So once I complete the book, we need to do a follow-up because there is a lot there. There's a lot. And you just even highlighted it just doing this overview right now. Thank you for that. But so many things that are connected. I mean, it almost sounds like, I mean, I don't want to say 100%, but damn near. It sounds like 90-ish and then throw in some movement and there it is, you know, that that's affecting every dynamic. Like you said, from mood, and I know it firsthand, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, it affects your mood. It affects how you move through life day to day. It affects, yeah, how you're going out in the world, how you're carrying this body of yours out into the world and how you're engaging with the world. So, I mean, it's important. And just as Sleep Smarter was powerful, Eat Smarter right now, I'm getting smarter and more powerful <laughs> with every page that I'm reading. Um, from our community specifically, it's getting better, but I think it's just so foreign still. I think just even the notion, like like you said, you you know, and and side note, you do make 
sleep and eating and science sexy or fun or what, however you're approaching it, because like you said, you speak from the heart. And I think that's, that's the realest way to come anyway. If you're speaking from the heart and you have this knowledge and you can convey it to those who are willing to listen, game changer, game changer. And I think that's why you've been changing the game so far. And it's just, it's fascinating. It's also entertaining going for the ride with all of this uh, knowledge from, from your perspective. Uh, humorous perspective at times on approaching these things. So I, I think it's a beautiful combination. I'm loving all of it. I just want to ask before we get to the point of rapping, and I don't want to rap, so we will have to, I'm going to commit you <laughs> to do a follow-up with me. I do want to ask just on your personal routines, if you want to share one, if you want to share all, no wrong answers, just like at the top of this with masculinity, but are there any go-to routines that you do on a daily basis. You mentioned one, waking up and asking, how can you be of service, which I think is beautiful. And I want to adapt that into my own. But are there any others? These are the things Sean Stevenson does every morning or daily that just gets me right, gets me primed for the day, mindset, overall well-being. Oh, yeah. So this is... Fantastic question. And for me, it's really low hanging fruit. So since we're giving like a little bit of insight, I would want things that are easy on ramp for people, the easy on ramp things that I do for myself that have just become automated, that are very simple, but also very powerful. Um, because as I mentioned, you know, the, the, the most powerful part of the book for me personally in writing was to shed light on the conditions that many of us are existing in where we're inundated with poor food, where we're, where we're lacking access and there are many forces that are actually deterrents for health and creating sickness in many ways, but also providing solutions. Like here are five things that we could actually do to change these conditions for ourselves personally, taking personal responsibility and also how we could change our community. But it really always still boils down to what are the simple principles that we could adhere to. And I'll just share with you today what I did because I do this every day, but I'm going to share a little insight Please. that I just started doing actually uh, adding this in very recently to take this to another level. And it's another simple tweak though. Okay. So the, the most fun foundational aspect of human health from a nutritional standpoint, unfortunately, it's, it's very often overlooked and it's something so simple. We are taught in my university classes, even this dogma about these three macronutrients. We have three macronutrients, fats, carbohydrates, and proteins. And that's the end of the story, but it's not the end of the story. There are two other major macronutrients. One of them is alcohol. A lot of folks know about that one. And I also talk of about course. that in depth. Like, how does that work? <laughs> how does that influence fat loss in the book? But all the other macronutrient, which is the most powerful, is water. And oftentimes it's overlooked because mm. it's considered to be a non-caloric or non-energy right. contributing macronutrient. But that's looking at nutrition right. through the lens of caloric tunnel vision. Not understanding that water makes everything work better. The majority of your body is water. People just like, we really got to get this. It's so simple. And a recent study, this was published in the, the journal Medicine, Medicine and Science and Sports and Exercise, found that just a 2% drop in your baseline hydration rate can lead to significant cognitive impairment, right? So wow. reduction in executive function. So the prefrontal cortex, you know, the, also the, the volume of your brain can shrink substantially when you're dehydrated. Literally, like you, you, you lose that 
the size of your brain. And it's not a joke, but also you can rehydrate your brain relatively quickly because the blood brain barrier allows water in, in droves into the brain, but it has to be the right type of water, which is a whole other conversation. So the first thing that I do yep. to start my day, <laughs> and I want, if people can maybe pull this into their life, this is a powerful, very simple health principle. The first thing I do, you know, you might go to, of course, go to the bathroom, whatever. I take what I call an inner bath. And during the night, okay. your body is doing trillions upon trillions of metabolic processes. And there's a lot of metabolic waste. And so this is why urine tends to be more concentrated in the morning as well, is the waste products. You've got to help to literally, quote, flush out, give your body the water medium to do and run these processes to clear out metabolic waste. We take an outer shower, but the inside is far more important because beauty is even from the inside out. And so I take an inner bath and what that looks like is right, right. somewhere around 20 to sometimes 30 ounces of water, but somewhere generally around 20 to maybe 25 ounces of water to start the day. My wife, she does maybe 12 ounces with lemon. She's found that she doesn't, she's not vibing getting up and drinking you know, room temperature or cold water, she's drinking hot water with lemon, all right? And that's that's her vibe, hmm. that's, that's what she does, but she does take her version of her inner bath. And so the other part of this is something called water-induced thermogenesis, all right? Water-induced thermogenesis. Hmm. So one of the studies that I outlined in Eat Smarter, they had test subjects to just drink 17 ounces of water within a couple of minutes, and they found that by drinking 17 ounces of water in the study, increased their metabolic rate by 10, 20, upwards of even 30%. So that means they they actually ended up burning wow. 30 calories from drinking 17 ounces of water. And this is something, if we do this a few times a day, it's a calorie, quote, calorie-free energetic input that makes your body burn calories. And it's not because of heating the water up or anything strange like that. It's because it makes everything work better, right? All your hormones yeah. and neurotransmitters that responsible for losing weight, quote, burning fat, it's all happening in a water medium. So you get that benefit as well. Last thing, the thing that I've added in recently is the inclusion of electrolytes. You know, I've been adding like, you know, different versions of really high quality salts over the years, but now specifically getting the, the sodium, potassium, magnesium going first part of the day. Some, oftentimes with my morning water I've been doing, and I'll share this really, really quickly. Researchers at McGill University found that they detailed sodium as being a quote on off switch for specific neurotransmitters in the body that improve cognitive function and also protect your brain yeah. from degenerative diseases. And so sodium is wow. another thing that's very controversial, but this is because most sodium primarily comes from processed foods in our culture, like 70, 80% of the sodium we're taking in. So electrolytes, our body's running on electrical currency, you know, and so Currents, yeah. these electrolytes help, help with signal transduction so your cells can talk to each other better, but it has to come from a good source. You know, we get into all that stuff as well. But it's, these are foundational principles for what the human body is made of. Water, minerals, you know, electrolytes are, are specific minerals, you know, the right types of fats to help you know, fortify the health of your brain, proteins to make up your hormones and neurotransmitters are literally made from protein, your tissues, and uh, the list goes on and on. We detail all of these different factors for sure in the book. Huh, amazing. I, I can, I mean, I can keep going. I'm, I'm fascinated by this. And I hope everybody listening is taking this in. If you come away with nothing, come away with this. <laughs> the, I, these things are so easy when you're aware. And again, this conversation I'm hoping has made those listening aware. And those who hopefully have become aware can share this with people they care about 
to make them aware also, because again, you're, you're mentioning these simple things when, when it's really broken down, it's so powerful. It's so effective. And it's just these little adjustments, water and some salt. Well, not just any salt. What in terms of salt, let me ask this quickly. What, what kind of sea salt would you suggest? Himalayan sea salt? What, what would you suggest if someone were to add salt to their water? Yeah, salt, salt is a very, uh, again, it's one of those words that comes with a lot of nuance, you know, very much sure. we started with masculinity, you know, it can mean a lot of different things. <laughs> right. In yep. our culture, yep. when we think of salt, we think of sodium chloride, right? So that's sodium salt. And so that's actually 40% sodium and 60% chloride. But there's also different, there's magnesium salts, there's potassium salt, like magnesium sulfate hmm. or Epsom salts for bath. That's magnesium salt. Right. There's many different types right. of salt. So it comes in many forms and throughout human evolution and really even, you know, animals as well. Have you ever seen those goats that like climb up on the side of like a, a dam or like a mountain and they're like sideways, literally risking their life, but they're trying to get access to is salt and minerals. Right. Because there's something huh. in their biology just knows like this is important for the development of, you know, fill in the blank. So sure. In nature, all of us like we're really vying for and looking for adequate sources of sodium because it's it's needed to run so many processes. So I want to use that caveat. And then here. So wh where are we getting these compounds? Well, you, you're actually going to get a significant amount of, of electrolytes, including sodium from real whole foods like, you know, certain vegetables and fruits are abundant in bioavailable sodium. But there are more concentrated hmm. versions of that in salts, which there are salts that come from salt mines. There are kind of um, more uh, water-derived aspects, you know, where water was interacting with and, 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 and creating, the, like, even if we think about ocean water, for example, right, it's very salty right. water. So it's just like understanding yeah. there's certain things that happen you know, with, with the ecology of the planet that give off these certain salts. And do, so for us to just say automatically, that this is bad for us and not acknowledge what our ancestors have been doing for thousands upon thousands of years is very ignorant. But the data, and I, I'll actually go and I share the meta-analysis. So not just like my opinion or a short-sighted thing, but what does the majority of data show? And the majority of data shows that the whole high, high sodium and salt being the causative factor behind hypertension, blood pressure, heart disease, it's just not accurate. It's just not accurate. And you can look at the numbers wow. and see it yourself. Just because we lower our sodium, but let me be clear, salt can influence your blood pressure. It can push your blood pressure up as well. But one of the studies that I shared in Eat Smarter detailed how having sodium too low can also significantly elevate blood pressure as a rebound response because your body's increase in stress hormones, insulin resistance can take place as well if you're too low in sodium. Thyroid function can can yeah, uh, yeah, become yeah. abnormal. The list goes on and on and on. We have to keep this in a proper perspective. So from real food, you're going to get sodium, salt. So this is going to be higher quality salts, not the lady, the girl with the umbrella, right, you know, right. that Morton salt. <laughs> right. That's not, that's not high salt. quality yeah. salt. That's not good salt. Yeah. And there's a lot of you know, <laughs> binders and fillers and, you know, uh, yeah. chemical processing, yeah. you know, to make it certain consistency and certain level of quote, purity and prettiness to it. But yep. salt has character, you know, so this could be there's Celtic salt, there's uh, Himalayan rock salt. Yes, there's real, quote, real salt here. Um, that's, yeah, uh, you know, mines in Utah and things like that. There's black Hawaiian salt. Every culture and I, working at a university, I got to meet and work with people from all over the world. They've got certain things in their bag. 
that everybody just mm. does, you know, historically based on what, because I was inquiring about their ancestors. Like what, what, what is your grandmother doing? Your great grandmother. Yeah. You yeah. know, so salt is another one of those things. Very diverse. Then we have electrolyte products that are derived from these different salts as well that are very, you know, concentrated versions might have certain combinations of formulas, but you got to be careful because marketers screw this stuff up. You know, it went from like Gatorade being something for these athletes, which was tremendously high in sodium, the original formula, if you ever get a chance to, to check out the original formula. And the amount of sugar was minuscule compared to what it, it came yeah. to be. It got flipped. Right. Well, the sodium yep. went down, the salts went down, and the sugar just skyrocketed. And so right. we got to be careful about the sugar, the, the additives, the binders, fillers, chemical you know, abnormal processing, pesticides, herbicides, all this stuff that can turn something that's supposed to be healthy into something detrimental. Well, I guess all roads lead to get that book, Eat Smarter. (laughs) I am, again, always in awe, always appreciative of what you bring and when you bring facts behind the commentary. So you always figure out how to sneak that in. So I'm always appreciative of you in that, in your work, on the gram, on your dot com. Is there anything else before we wrap that you want to share with the audience that you may have coming up? Yeah, this community is so important, you know, and, you know, it's really up to us to be empowered. We can't wait around any longer for, you know, someone outside of ourselves to come and fix our issues in our communities. It's really up to us. Yeah. You know, nobody yeah. cares like we do. For me, the number one thing is being the example, you know, be the model, you know, live. Let your let your life be the example and the template for others to follow. And then we can just t- keep taking it bigger steps and bigger steps from there. Because once you start feeling good, I mean, you just tap into a, a exceeding levels of, of power and empowerment to change the lives of others, to to be of service. You know, so that's I'm just really grateful to to be here with you. And, you know, I just really want to reiterate how important this community is. As far as Eat Smarter, you can pick it up anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Target stores. We got a national campaign with Target stores. Very nice. rare that a big <laughs> idea food book gets the placement that we did. You know, we had it's, right. uh, it's like a, a console, you know, outside of the aisle feature when the book first came out uh, for a few months and the book just really took okay. off and it was at every Target store across the country. Love and listen- it. I worked at Target when I was, you know, when I was in when I was in high school, my senior year. When I was, uh, you know, trying to graduate with my class because I got kicked out the year before, I was working my behind off at Target, you know, just to help out around the house and just, you know, trying to, you know, do the thing, man, you know. And so to have my book there today is really, you know, again, just speaks to the power of an idea. But um, so it's also we got to. It did so well that we've got two more Target campaigns. One of them's going right now, so you can pick it up at Target stores. And I just want to share too with with Target, a lot of folks. This is getting access to people who usually don't even see books like this or content like this and exposure like this. So we need to demand. Right. We need to let Target know. And the funny thing is, I'm like, what Target? Why would they choose my book for this campaign? Because I'm I'm kind of exposing right. some of the stuff that they're <laughs> you know promoting to the people. But from some higher exactly. up at Target, they was like, hey, this this book is fantastic. And so, uh, but giving exposure and we've got to let these companies know this is the kind of information that we want and to demand more of it. And we do that by voting, you know, with our dollar and with our actions. So, um, and of course, you know, the Model Health Show is my podcast, as you mentioned at the beginning, which is crazy to be able to say this. Uh, It's been the number one health podcast many, many times. 
uh, the past few years that we've been been doing the show. And really, we do master classes, as you know, on yeah, you every <laughs> health subject that you can imagine. Yeah. You know, so people yeah. walk away. All you got to do is click play, take this adventure with me, and by the end of it, you're going to be empowered in whatever health aspect that is you know i do master classes with myself and i bring on the very best people in their respective fields in the world for for the audience over there so you can check out the model health podcast as well and i can vouch for all of that because <laughs> i am an avid listener sean thanks for making the time for this conversation and going man to man with me today you all can follow sean at sean model on instagram and make sure to tell another brother, king, or queen about Man to Man so we can keep these conversations going and keep building each other up. And if there's someone you want to hear on Man to Man, connect with me on Instagram at Waziki, W-A-S-I-C-K-I. Till next week, fam. Peace, love, and eat smarter. <laughs>